1: I'm Adam McGee.
2: And I'm Andrew Snyder.
1: And you're listening to Captured in Celluloid on Make Time for This, proudly part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue R Podcast family. And on this episode, we're going to talk about the latest film from the acclaimed, decorated, independent filmmaker, Ira Sachs. A film that has been the source of plenty of, uh, Conversation and discourse and controversy. The film is Passages. Andrew, how are you doing?
2: Doing great. Um, By the time you're all listening to this, I think it'll be September, which brings us closer to fall. I think it'll be August,
1: but carry on.
2: Oh. Okay, is Friday not September?
1: This is going to go up on Thursday.
2: Okay, Um, you're going to see the tweet on Friday. Sorry, everyone. Um, But yeah, autumn, fall, interchangeable. My favorite season of the year, you got the baseball playoffs. You got football. You got cool weather, walking out and hearing the leaves crunch on the ground as you step into a 6 o'clock movie, and then you come out and it's dark outside. And you walk arm-in-arm with your friend or your partner thinking about the movie you just saw and then you go have a cocktail and uh, then you go home it's my favorite time of the year
1: six o'clock movie and you come out and it's dark outside
2: that's probably getting closer to like december january but still
1: wow really what like what's winter darkness for you we're getting sidetracked early here but let's see what time of the day does it kick in at
2: I'm trying to think of like when it gets dark after the clock nonsense. Um, it's like seven or eight, right? Like when's it? When's it get no, dark? Oh, not you in for a normal me. Day?
1: No, like into winter, like four thirty-five.
2: Oh yeah, we've got we've got more run, runway than that. Yeah. Yeah. When when yeah. I went to London for the first time, it blew my mind.
1: <laughs> I quite. I mean, people complained about that. I'm. I'm a fan. I like it. Uh, Me too. Really, like, pronounced seasons, I think, are good. They make they make you feel the passing of time. So as much as people complain about, oh, it's five o'clock and it's dark. I was like, you were blowing my mind. You're like, you go into a six o'clock movie, you come out, and it's dark. I'm like, of course it's dark. It's dark going into the six o'clock movie. Anyway. I'm going
2: to Google what time does it <laughs> get dark in North Carolina? In the I'm a, winter,
1: I'm amazed and concerned that you're having to Google this
2: sunset today. So in the well, summer, this isn't,
1: this isn't the time. This is still, yeah. Uh,
2: so we're getting okay. Uh, we're getting like uh five twenty sunsets, but this like is you electric know, still
1: podcasting,
2: still, still a little bit of light, <laughs> still a little bit of light later into the evening. Maybe I don't know how times work. COVID has atrophied my brain to the point where like, I just, I don't know how anything does anything, and I just want it all to go away. Anyway, Passages. Iris Axe.
1: Passages feels like a film that you should maybe see a little bit later than six o'clock. That's, that's where we'll we'll start this one off.
2: Oh, I had to walk out into the daylight and watch this, uh, or after watching this movie, and eat, uh... <laughs> oh, God. Eat, uh... What's that, that, uh... That pasta that I really like, how Staley Tucci says it, uh... I pasta uh, olio, <laughs> it's like a olive oil garlic pasta. Pasta alleo
1: aeolo. In that,
2: yeah. I walked out of the movie.
1: was a spaghetti
2: and ate a yeah, ate a big spaghetti, bowl of
1: spaghetti. Nice.
2: Yeah, on the sidewalk. So that happened.
1: Wow. That's the way to balance out. I was I had a vision in my head of that and then you're like on the sidewalk. The was, table. Was table. On the sidewalk. Okay. I yeah, yeah. You weren't like sitting by the curb, just Chowing down on spaghetti alley, alley, alley.
2: No, it was wedged in between a gym and what appeared to be an adult taekwondo class, so I'm just like watching sweaty people just walk behind me while I'm trying to enjoy my pasta.
1: That feels apt for a post-pastage experience, watching sweaty people walk past when you're trying to enjoy your pasta.
2: That is fair. Uh, I don't remember the name of the restaurant, but it was pretty good. It was good.
1: Uh, this is a film I've been really looking forward to for really the whole year from the moment i heard about this project i mean at that time iris axe was kind of a blind spot for me and a filmmaker i hadn't watched a whole lot of his work um i knew of his work more than i had seen it i've since addressed that to at least some extent but uh who i did know very well and was a really big fan of was the leading trio of this film franz Who I think we talked most extensively about on our Christian Petzold episode. That did we do that for Undina or was it its own thing? I'm guessing Undina, but I could be wrong. We I know we talked more general on Petzold anyway. Um, yeah, Transit is one of my favorite films of. I don't know the past decade by quite a long way. Uh I think Phoenix might be one of yours of the last decade yes uh
2: best way i can sum this up is i was gifted phoenix for christmas by my brother forgot i had it was walking by it in the Barnes and noble and was just like nope gotta have that so now i have two copies of phoenix sitting in my uh in my uh cupboard uh
1: if that's region free you gotta you gotta get that in the mail because it's not available here so if i don't i don't think it is but i'll double check
2: i'm Anyone that uh, tweets the podcast account with a five star review on Apple or Spotify, uh, and you tweet tweet the account, show the proof. I'll uh, random number generator pick a winner and mail you Phoenix by Christian Fetz- Petzold. So we've solved we've 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 solved my extra Blu Ray conundrum. There we go.
1: Wow, I feel like this is a giveaway. We maybe should have timed up with. Uh, a Christian Petzold Old episode Which could happen As soon as next week Potentially uh, I think but, now it has to happen <laughs> uh, But it is out in the world And maybe we'll We'll announce a winner On that episode Either next week Or the week after um, But yeah Without getting too much Into Phoenix By the way You should do that And enter Andrew's Just impromptu <laughs> giveaway uh, If you haven't seen Phoenix I'm not No exaggeration It's got one of the best movie endings of all time um france wrogowski to get back on track we've really we'd be more off the track than honor to start this episode but france wrogowski regular collaborator of christian petzel at this point and really kind of rose to prominence there um although like starring turns early in his career and michael haneke's work um works with Terrence Malick, I believe we also talked about him in, on the Hidden Life episode. And One of the genera- most
2: under, underrated movies of this era, I'd say, dude, sorry to cut across you, and he's tremendous in it. Continue. Now, even though he's not the star, but...
1: Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, you don't have to, don't have to convince me to talk up Malick, but certainly, that's a really, really good Malick. Um, Great Freedom was a really... Really good film from last year, with an very strong Franz Rogowski performance. Just one of my favorite actors. Um, I believe Disco Boy, which is due out again later this year, is another film that has been pretty well reviewed at festivals. And uh, Franz Rogowski has got very, very strong reviews for it once again. So... I'm I'm there, like season ticket holder for Franz Rogowski. Just whatever he's gonna do, I really do want to watch it at this point. And to go beyond that, you've got Ben Wishaw, who's just reliably great, and I think is maybe underrated for how versatile he is, for how interesting the projects he picks consistently are. Um, and then Adele Xrochopoulos, who I'm very, very thrilled to see back on our screens quite a bit more recently. I've seen a couple of her movies um, in the past year or so. I'm trying to remember the last one I saw. Another movie release earlier in the year. Um, what was that called? The Five Devils, Andrew. Smoking causes coughing. I have not got to see yet. The latest from Quentin Dupour. um, But really, really interesting performer. Like, really great actress. One of the most strikingly beautiful people working in all of movies. And you put these three people together. And you sell this film as some sort of, like, slightly chaotic, sexed-up love triangle. And it's, like, strong director. Trailer, once that came out, you're like, really great visuals. This looks good. it's It's got it. It's just, it's going to move. It's really got something going for it. Like, I'm in. So I was anticipating this film for quite some time. Um it is it is out now in the US. It will hit movie I believe was it worldwide? Did Mubi's logo play before this when you saw it? Can you remember?
2: Uh which movie? Or are you asking which logo? That's just
1: did Mubi uh, did the movie yes, logo. Yes,
2: yes, yes yes it did. Okay, That's so also where I saw have, the trailer
1: going into it. Movie have close to global distribution then, so it will land on movie soon. But if you have a chance to see it in the theater, which you probably still do in a lot of the US, and the film is going to release later this week in the UK and Ireland in theaters, uh, go and do that. I was lucky enough to see this at a preview with Iris Axe about 10 days ago. I should say he was there. It was not just personally, you know, me and Iris Sachs um it's just sitting down to watch passages together that would have been an experience um but yeah i saw the movie and i guess it kind of lived up to my expectations and then some and went beyond that in a whole variety of ways um what what was your reaction to this or as i often tend to ask you where were you at in terms of your level of awareness of what this was exactly, um and what you were getting yourself in for? I know, unfortunately, we had had some back and forth privately that maybe had you more prepared than you otherwise would have been. But generally, kind of how aware were you of passages from a little bit out?
2: Uh, when I saw the trailer on movie, and then I kept getting ads on Twitter for it, so I've seen it. I'd seen it a few times going into it. I, I actually messaged you. Um and I said his passage is supposed to be something and you're like, Yeah, it's it's supposed to be good. Excuse me. And then obviously the cast is gonna have me in on it uh immediately. I feel similarly to to Franz. I mean he's he's one of he's got just an incredible just screen presence and he's it's unmistakable even when he's in like subtle moments or when he's got to just be a hurricane of uh, energy and toxicity, as we'll get into later in this movie. Like, he's just got it. He's got something. Benoit Shaw is, like, a just an incredible utility player. that You just plug him in. I mean, he's great in Mission um, James Bond. Like, he's fantastic. He's Paddington, obviously. Um, so, I don't think I was as much familiar with Adele's work. Uh, or iris axe at all because i had not seen any of his films but in seeing you know the messiness of what this a love triangle movie is it's something that's gonna be like oh i i I really want to watch that um and with the cast and everything i heard i was i was really looking forward to it and uh glad i got to see it on the big screen and glad we get the podcast about it because it's uh it's a short movie with a lot of ground covered and a lot of a lot going on and like with everything, Adam, if, if there's a discourse or a controversy going on about it, I don't know about it. So we'll see. I'll learn on the fly.
1: It was going to be the next question, as it nearly always is when we do this. Andrew, are you aware of the discourse around this movie? Um, the discourse around passages has been pretty loud, and I I actually do think it's really worth us diving into. and It's kind of interesting and important subject matter to talk about, too. Um you saw this film? I don't know what was it like. You must see in a local art house theater, or
2: yes, um, it is, and it's a place that is basically where I see any independent, for lack of a better term, film like some non English language film. Yeah, non English language. Um, Chelsea Theater. I'll shout about in uh Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I was the only one in the theater so uh, i don't mind giving a free ad to a local theater that i want to stay around um it's also where while we were having this conversation i just bought a ticket to see a fire at 4 p.m on friday so there's that anyway uh yeah that's uh that's that's where i saw it
1: well the reason i asked that is because it is relevant to discussion because this is a film that it can't play wide. um the main controversy in the film comes from the rating that the film um I was going to say received but that isn't quite accurate. So the MPA gave an NC-17 rating to passages which was rejected by Rex um, rejected by movie, I guess, then in supporting him. Which meant it's released unrated and then therefore cannot play in the majority of kind of multiplex style theaters throughout the US. It's not like this is a film that was going to play super, super wide. But I do think there's an opportunity for it as like a film for grown-ups that could have one to two screenings a day in some slightly... I guess um less typical environments and could have kind of built up some more, particularly with some word of mouth, um, some word of mouth. I think that is gonna naturally accompany a film too, where it is quite striking and it's not like most things you see in main tr- mainstream cinema. It's not quite mainstream cinema either. I mean, it isn't that kind of independent space, which is just on the fringes of it. But that is. That is something which has caused a lot of conversation, a lot of debate. It's rating um, in the US has not necessarily been reflective of its rating in other parts of the world. I believe it was rated with a 16, which is the second highest rating available in Ireland. Um, so not even 18s, so it should be the most restrictive. Uh, I was looking at cinema listings for the week ahead earlier today, and I was quite surprised to see that it, in fact, is playing multiple times a day in the main multiplex chain I go to. Which, one, it just seems like quite bold and unusual programming on multiple levels for the kind of stuff they show. But on the other hand, yeah, that's awesome that a film like this can play to a wider audience and in a theater where there's more of a chance of people who, I guess, aren't film nuts just walking in and being like, yeah, I'm here to see the new Iris Axe film. Um, Iris Axe has pushed back quite strongly on this, and I do think he's right to do so in feeling that. Essentially, this writing is just purely reflective of the content of the film being that of, you know, something being, uh, just inherently provocative or, I don't know, um perverse about people seeing LGBT kind of representation of sex i love on screen can i go on?
2: can i tell you just my initial reading with no education about how these ratings get doled out from you telling me this because i thought it was our um it, it strikes me is just a completely homophobic right ra- reason for writing it what it was and it it feels like some like ron de is america bullshit to be honest with you
1: do you know how you don't know how writings in america are um i think i did at one point threat.
2: i did at one point and then um and then i read an article about financial fair play so that knowledge <laughs> got pushed out my ear and you know so
1: so to my knowledge and this is largely fresh in my head and based on Ira Sachs himself talking about this so if this is wrong take it up with ira um it is a it is a panel of parents it's a panel of parents that view the films and come to a conclusion on what they feel like is the appropriate rating for the film. Um, like, there's... I think the, disc- the discussion to be had here, and we'll get into more of it, I, I, there is exp- explicit sex in this film. And I think to, like, you and I, as two heterosexual men seeing gay sex like this, it's like, whoa, yeah, I don't see that. I haven't seen it really is explicitly shown in any kind of film like this again in part like this is the reason why uh, i think this is why it's kind of important too because generally what happens in this scenario is a film gets buried or the nc-17 will come out and a distributor will not back the filmmaker who wants to release the film unedited unrated instead And they'll say no, you have to make cuts. That will be cut for the film, and that cycle goes on and on. And I just, I guess, a certain part of everyday life for a large sector of the population just never gets shown on screen. So, like, to me, was this shocking? Shocking is maybe putting it too far, but I was like, yeah, I was apparent. It was apparent to me in watching it. It's like I don't see this very often. Like, it's it's just it's not something you see in movies. Uh, even in movies that are like, I guess, supposedly gay love stories, so I can see, I can see an element where it's like this is out of the ordinary. But I, I do think that's more like a symptom of the wider problem in the industry than it being well, this is out of the ordinary because it's not acceptable, and we need to calm down on that. Um. Much more explicit films with more explicit nudity have been rated or. And something Irisak said at the QA that I saw Matt is his understanding is the reason that it actually got rated NC 17 as opposed to or was largely because of the length of the scenes. And the length of the scenes was something that was quite important to him because he felt that's what adds reality to it or like humanity to it where it's not just we're cutting in and out of this and it's for just kind of like we're just we're moving the story along with oh well here's the thing that's happening that you're probably assuming that's happening but you know we'll show it to you anyway instead there's actual intent there and you're learning about the characters throughout that um he has talked a lot about the almost improvised way that the actors worked through those scenes and how he's not the most comfortable with a lot of that stuff so it's not like it's really ultra specific instructions as much as he trusts the actors to work out between themselves well what's appropriate here how best do we want this to work and to go from there and i i just i do i think all of that is really really striking in the film um, I think it both is like incredibly explicit, and then also not what it's not what it's being made out to be by way of this controversy. But to your point, to Iris Axe overall point, yeah, I, I do think it certainly is something that you could add to a much, much longer list of troubling. Oh, I guess, uh clampdowns on LGBT rights LGBT depictions in art throughout US life that we're now into a few years of it being kind of a, a notable story that kind of rumbles on and on and this is certainly not one of the noisiest instances within that kind of continuum but I, I do think it's a relevant one and it's it's relevant to just talk about when as i said i just i'm sure you'll agree with me i haven't seen sex scenes like that in movies really at all certainly in movies like this with movie stars albeit like movie stars of international cinema like if you're into movies you you know exactly who these three people are they are big names and for a name independent filmmaker to go and do this it's like yeah, that means something, but the why is it surprising and why is that not normalized in a way where, I mean, at this point, far more explicit explicit sex scenes and that are of a heterosexual nature, I'm sure would be passed with very little problem. Because um, I'm, I'm even thinking of, like, the nudity was not very prominent. No. I don't think there is full frontal nudity in this film.
2: No, there isn't.
1: Um which are usually the kind of things that ratings board will just be like, oh, well, that's a check, and you're moving up a level because of that. So in instead it does it's it feels like almost a punishment for, yeah, this is this is too real. You're showing us something that feels a little too real here. And it's bad i I don't know what else to say i think it's it's really kind of bad and i don't know ultimately what does it do how many viewers does it take away there's always a possibility that you bring more viewers to a film with something like that and particularly one that is going to land on a streaming service like movie and have a long-term home there um but i still think the ideal world is the film gets out there and there's an element of meritocracy and if Theatres want to book it to play wider, and if audiences start to show up or build some word of mouth that then a wider group of people can see it, and I think it's unfortunate that that hasn't kind of played out that way in the U.S.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed
2: Yeah, I agree with everything you said, having no knowledge of that conversation even going on and obviously not noticing the rating when I got there. Uh, The woman at the counter, uh, like, you know, I like to do is like if I'm um, like, I knew I was going to have my spaghetti dinner out afterwards. Um, I got a popcorn and a glass of wine, sat the wine. Aside, and was going to start drinking when it was like about 20 minutes left in the movie. Time that out so you know you're clear eyed in the movie. Uh, she said to me, Um, uh, I've seen that before putting on a wedding ring to tr- trick people into getting into a, a R rated movie or buying alcohol. And I was like, What? So clear- clearly, she thought I was trying to pull a ruse over her at first until I pulled out my ID. And showed her that I am indeed 31. You thought you were, in and, fact, uh,
1: like a, a Vincent adult man esque figure, like, you know, tree, tree kids standing on each other's shoulders in the trench coat, going to see passages. And...
2: Apparently, that's what she thought. And I don't know if it was the discourse around the rating or the ordering of the wine um, that made it's her say that. a combination that, of
1: both. It's like, he, so now it's, he's not just going it's, for it's, one thing, he's going for both.
2: So learning about this has enlightened me to to that weird interaction that I had. Also, she got me burnt popcorn, so I could eat none of it. It was a troubling, troubling situation. Uh, the spaghetti saved the day. But yeah, uh, it's just... Uh, I don't think double standard is the right word, but it's like... If the graphic sex scenes in this film had been primarily with a heterosexual couple, there would have been no controversy. And... I hope that at some point in this country, we can get to a place where that's not the case, because as you said, it's really messed up that for years, I guess the history of pop culture, art, movies, cinema, whatever. Some people just don't see themselves reflected on screen because of the institutions that are currently in place. And so, yeah, I didn't know any of that was going on, but interesting to say the least, and I can see why our, our sacks pushed back on all that.
1: Yeah, I and I think, like, to be honest, as I was a straight person, it's, it's like I was, like, taken aback by it because you're just like, you don't see this. Like, it is. It's not like I watch a lot of movies. I see a lot of stuff. I, I don't think you could put really much of anything in a film at this point that would, like, scandalize me in the way that it seems to, you know, scandalize the, the vast majority of the public one way or another on basically every film that comes out now. Um, I don't know if you're caught up on the the Oppenheimer uh, TikTok woman who covered her husband's eyes when Florence Pugh was on screen, but I, I guess am, there, uh... there is a wider conversation to be had. Which, like, that, again, is its own thing that I have I have seen on Twitter. Even people, it seems like younger people, like, uh, younger than us, of course, we're not young. Um This is a thing that, like, I, I don't know and I don't understand. I don't quite get where that comes from. Is that maybe a slight trickle down of the wider, I mean, what's being attempted culturally, which is to... Suppress a lot of that, and to just make culture naturally more puritanical. I don't know where that comes from, but I I have seen that, and I I am largely talking about seeing that from American people in an American sense, where there's always this conversation, or you'll see people talk about you know the purpose of nudity and it's these pointless sex scenes or whatever in films where it's that's a very different conversation than people just a little bit older but tend to have about that still where it feels like there's this divide of people who just never want to see anything in a movie to them people who are bemoaning how dry and puritanical movies have become and i think you see a filmmaker like iris Sachs, whose films are just like deeply humanist um on all levels and it's not like this is a staple of his movies from film to film but it's like yeah a scene like the multiple scenes of something, they, they do have a place in his world. And certainly in this film, it's like, I, I don't know how he could tell this story in a way that is as real and as human as what he likes to do without having those scenes. But I, I don't quite get where culturally people are at on this because it, it does seem to be something that bubbles up where there's a weird wave of people who, you know, are terrified of a sex scene in a movie. Um, I don't know. You're probably better placed than me to have a sense of, is that something that's a trickle down from just the general puritanical attempts to, I don't know, bring America culturally, um, ethically back to a different place. And I'm not even like, obviously that's loaded with the politics of, of right and left and conservative and liberal but i i don't even think it's necessarily that simple i think there are there are levels beyond that i also does it just does it factor into what would be one of my favorite arguments Andrew, is that just like the wider population the wider like movie going tv watching audience generally don't challenge themselves and they're not used to being challenged in any way by anything that's on screen, by seeing something that's different to themselves or how they live their life or their ideas of the world. And it seems like quite a lot of them don't react well to it, but I, I don't know. I do feel like this is one side of like one, maybe one extreme of a, a larger issue, which is, I don't know, the depiction of sex on screen. Um, But you could probably bring that out even further to, you know, where people are at in terms of being able to openly talk about this stuff, which honestly seems very strange in 2023. And I don't feel like is a thing on my side of the world in the same way that it currently is and has been for a few years now in the US. I know there's always been this idea of, you know, European ideas to these things, but I'm from Ireland, I'm from what was until very recently, maybe the most Catholic country in the world Um, and like this as an example I mean, this is what I mean banned here pretty recently, you know, in a, in a relative sense and we're so far past that but it's, whether it is ratings boards whether it is just weird individuals and their own kind of issues and baggage with this. It does feel like whenever there's a film, like to, to just to bring it back to the Oppenheimer thing for a second. There is one of the scenes, one of the sex scenes in Oppenheimer, which is quite startling uh, for the chosen kind of setting for it and what it's being, what's being done with it. But overall, that's really, really tame stuff. Like it's really, really tame. I, anyone getting like concerned about that they've got big issues but it just feels like there is something wider culturally where maybe that's not just a tiny tiny percentage it might be something slightly larger than that
2: yeah I think it's it's mostly the culture war thing you brought up I, I I think that's a large degree of it and then that Obviously, if this were a wider movie, the the grifters, uh, the social media YouTube grifters on the right would be fighting a war against this film. Uh, And I also think there are those, like you said, long entrenched kind of, we don't talk about that uh, types of attitudes in the U.S. where they don't exist in Europe or elsewhere. So I think those two things kind of combining uh kind of factor in there. I'm I was thinking about one of the few shows I watch, uh, just so I can have a conversation with a friend about it, because he's texting me about it anyway. So I gotta watch it, is uh winning time. And there's some pretty graphic stuff in there, uh, from a sexual perspective.
1: First season I, I saw some of that. I only watched the first few episodes before I decided there was much better ways to, you know, spend my time. But I had heard that's not the case in the second season. Is that's that wrong? Is that well, still is there's? It, is it in it? Is it in the typical HBO? This is our primetime drama, which like it's always. I mean, that's almost part of what they've become known for. Almost just like because we can. Here you go. Or is it more? Than yes, that, do you feel like it's, no, it's not it's more than that. It's it. it's. The same thing, but it's also like like, compared to passages. Game of Thrones lineage and whatever.
2: Yeah, Magic Johnson has a hurt knee, and he's inviting, uh, you know, women to him because it's hard for him to travel at this time. And there's a scene revolving around that that I felt was pretty. You know, it's it's in the same ballpark as uh as what you see in passages, and no one would say a word about it.
1: Ah, oh, but and I so I, think... I don't think that's true. Like I I see that. Like to be clear, what I'm talking about now is not just like the portrayal of gay characters or gay sex on screen. I I think it's you do see something wider than that. And I, I really do. I've I've seen people, I've seen people make the argument. There are just there are people who are not necessarily conservatives who are just not comfortable with seeing, you know, even if it's just if there's a man and a woman on screen and there's something. Like that is that is a thing. As I said, it's I, I've read criticism and I've read articles about it where it it does seem like it's it's something even more so with younger generations. are like, why would you why would you do that? Why would you have that on screen? That's so embarrassing. I don't. I like. I just maybe don't know other what any generation tells us. Like, is but uh, my question they're... is like, is that could that be like the Ron DeSantis of the world winning? Where it's just yeah. it's tr- it's trickling down beyond the level even where it is just purely, oh, well, these are the people who are voting for that or these are the people who are not voting for that. It's like this comes down to the, well, what's in the education system and what's no longer in the education system, even as as has been it. Like, I don't know, is that part of it, but it does just seem to be something that's there culturally, which I think is pretty fucked up. Like, I, I know we all know it's fucked up when it's happening, but even the idea of, well, what does that repress generation then, like, when they're 30 and they're more backwards than the people who are 10 to 15 years older than them, like, that feels weird. I, I'm sure there are other instances in history where things could kind of be reversed like that, but in some ways, maybe it's, maybe it's a play. I don't know. I should have more specific uh... examples to really go down that road, but I do think there is something there. I've seen it. You'll even see it on something like, you know, our beloved Letterboxd. You, certain movies, you'd go and look at reviews, and you're like, I don't know, this is a big deal. And look, I'm not going to say that there aren't other people who are just like, yeah, give me all of the sex scenes. But I, I think there is something interesting about just the general conversation you- that takes place around that.
2: Do you mean Numak?
1: I was not gonna throw anyone under the bus like that.
2: He's never listening to this episode, so I think you're okay. Someone might tell. Uh, we've
1: got we've got listeners who listen to all of our stuff. They may alert them.
2: Listen, back. listen. Some of our colleagues watch full episodes of television on TikTok. So, I'm. talking the younger way...
1: generations.
2: Yeah, can I we don't... find a way to blame TikTok for this?
1: Well, what are they watching on TikTok? They're watching the most. ...bland, vanilla network shit that's ever been made. Like... Weird. You'd almost think the place to have, like, full episodes of stuff... ...spread out across nine TikToks... ...would be, like, something subversive. Then you'd be like... ...oh, I guess, I guess I get the... ...you know, people are seeking stuff out here. There's, But it's it's actually the opposite. Anyway, none of the people... ...who uh, we call our dear, dear friends... That's relevant too. Are gonna hear it, but I like. I Mid-roll... do think that's some of the backgrounds <laughs> to passages.
2: Mid roll ad. You love fall. I just mentioned it. Subscribe to Talk of the Tundra with Jordan Newmack, who we love dearly. Will there be some guests on some future episodes talking about the NFL, se- NFL season at large?
1: Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you could bring up passages then. And uh see how that goes. Um, all right, let's let's get into the film itself just a little bit more. Um It is essentially the story of three people. Tomas, the German filmmaker, played by Franz Rogowski. Martin, his English printer husband, at least the time the film begins. Um and a young woman, a teacher by the name of Agathe, who comes into their life. So, Martin and Tomas are married. I don't think unhappily as the film starts, but Tomas is just... He's a lot, Andrew. I mean, I don't know if we can get anywhere, like even a couple of seconds into this, because literally the film doesn't. It opens with a great sequence of Franz Rogowski as Tomas directing um a sequence in a film, which is the only part of his directing career we get to see. We never get to see any other snippet of his film. Uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about whether we think he's a good director or not, or the film he's made is good or not. Um, but it opens with this, I think, very strong scene that's quite funny. Um. And it just, it gives us a very, very kind of immediate sense of who this guy is. And then I guess when we get to meet Martin, who is a little bit more closed off and more quiet in a very typically Ben Wishow way, um, as an audience, there's immediately something of, well, uh, like that is, that is certainly a, a mismatch or that is a, a most generous and opposite attract situation. Um but it seems like Tomás would be a lot. And in spite of that, Martin is very, very patient. So the film that we see him directing is being a film. It wraps. At the after party, Tomás wants to dance with Martin. Martin's tired. He goes home. Uh, What does Tomás do? Um, He sleeps with a woman. And he comes home without having contacted Martin with Martin Worrying the next morning, and he very matter-of-factly just tells him, I slept with a woman, and uh, kind of essentially that he liked it, that he was just, he had fun with it, he might like to do it again kind of thing, um, which considering, you know, all all things considered, I think Martin took it about as well as anyone could and in, in his stride. But it is, a, I think, a very interesting and funny and honestly pitch-perfect introduction to this world, to these characters, um, that we get to see play out over the rest of the film from there.
2: Yeah, I mean, Martin's reaction strikes me as, Tomas comes home often and says he's slept with someone. That's a thing that happens within their relationship a lot, I would have imagined, based on this. But there obviously is this new wrinkle added added in that it is a woman. So there's a little differenti- differentiation there. But also Martin's re- reaction is basically like, I've got shit to do today. Like, yeah, cool. We'll figure this out later. Uh, here we go again kind of thing. And Tomas does what Tomas wants in the moment. He says what he wants. He does what he wants. No matter how it impacts the other people in his life. And he has moments where he kind of tries to calibrate and be more. I don't, know, I don't know what the right word is. Just like be more respectful of his various partners, needs and feelings. But for the most part, no, I, I told you afterwards that this could have been called uh get a load of this guy, the movie, because <laughs> his character is very, very toxic. Well, hateable in many moments, likable in others, because he's just got that charisma and charm that Franz Rogowski brings to the table. And also, it's like you see why these people are interested in him, but you're also just like, like you want to say like, hey girl, he's not good enough for you. Uh, I saw a review, I can't remember who wrote this, but um, obviously we get that great first scene where he's directing and being kind of an ass about it. But he treats his partner's like he treats actors in a film he's
1: directing directing everything everyone are just characters in the in the film that is his life i mean that's entirely and it's all centered around him and the question is always like to some extent what about me um and when he's just he's like he's got main character syndrome like that's entirely what's going on he's incredibly myopic but he's also like just quite naturally, the life and soul of every party. I mean, Franz Rogowski plays him in this kind of really high camp, deeply flamboyant way, and he pulls it off, like amazingly so. With a lot of help, I will say, like, for example, the costume work in his film is really great. Um go on, you had something on that?
2: When he gets home for family dinner, just chef's kiss. Like, that's a Perfect, what he's wearing when he gets there, how it transitions to how adulters view him. This is
1: like the leopard print crop top he's wearing, right? Yeah, I believe so, yes.
2: Just beautiful. Loved it.
1: Um I the tidbit I can give you on that is that he was supposed to wear something over that. He was supposed to wear shirt, top, whatever it was. Um, that's what the costume designer had for it, and when Iris Axe saw him just, you know, put just the crop top on, which was just a women's top that they had. And he's like, how about just that? How about, how about we just go with that and we see how that works? And it was a really, really strong decision. Um, It was one of those things, my screening, I don't think could have been any more different to yours where it was completely sold out. Um... I think by way of the controversies, one thing that had been done here I mean, Iris Axe is an openly gay man, but his films maybe had not necessarily drawn this extent of like fervent attention always in the LGBT community. Uh, this one certainly had, though, because I think word was out, and that was certainly like all of the discussion around me uh, would point to that at the screening. And one of the fun things anytime Franz Rogowski came on screen was like from scene to scene there would be an audible reaction to what he was wearing. Um, Like people people would laugh at that. To go to your point though, I, I don't hate that character at all. I saw a really good letterbox review which was that this could be the worst person in the world. You know, if you wanted a title for this movie that one would suit it. And it's like, yeah, that's not untrue. But it's like you'd be like, oh, he's the worst person in the world. It's like uh, you don't it's very different to be either of the people who end up like romantically entangled with him. That, that seems like hell. Um, but just very kind of funny and amusing and like just this larger than life character that you could see. People can't but help like or be drawn to. I do think that's a different thing to Ben Wishaw being like, I'm going to marry this man. And (laughs) I'd, I'd certainly have questions about how that ever came to pass and how it got to this point. But just in terms of like how he's written, how he's performed, how he's costumed, really everything about it. I haven't seen too many characters as memorable as this in like a film of this type. For quite a long time. I, like I, that character. And that performance is going to stick with me. And I know we talked a little bit. About him already. But I really do think. Like Franz Rogowski is. Like quite comfortably. Among the very very very. Best actors working. Like for me. And for my tastes, We're talking like top three top five. I really think he is. That guy. Um he it's obviously incredibly handsome and in his really distinctive look, but just the way between his facial expressions and his body that he he communicates with his whole self, his whole being, whether it's in English, whether it's in German, uh, whether it's in French, which he does in this film, although he does not speak a word of French, Franz Rogovsky. Um it, he just he's as good as it gets it's like the really great version of like someone like Joaquin Phoenix that people talk about all the time it's like I don't think there are too many actors who could kind of match that kind of level I think Franz Rogowski is a guy who could do that Um, I don't know what his career will look like it's kind of hard to map out Uh, he might just be in a spot which to me might be the best kind of career someone could have to be able to at least look back on at the end of their career where he's largely going to just kind of move from celebrated world cinema author to celebrated world cinema author and on and on like that. Um, I don't know if it ever happens where he breaks out beyond that into kind of something Hollywood wise, but I, I just don't think there are many actors who can do what he does on any level. I think he's just a singularly gifted performer and he's got the physical attributes to elevate that even further. And as much as this is a kind of it's a tree hander and it's a film about these three people. I think there is zero doubt like. He grabs this film by the throat and I like if you cast someone else in that, I wonder, does that balance play out differently just because they're not going to be the level of force of nature that he is. But like this is his film from the second he shows up in it.
2: I agree. Uh just an exceptional performer. Transit uh for me is also uh just one of the, the best films of the last however many years. Uh and that's where where I go into this saying that he's hateable but also likable and you understand the appeal. Now I agree that like where you get from point A is I'm really into Tomas and we we love each other to I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. There's a lot that has to go on and some bad decisions that have to happen that lead you to that kind of conclusion. But just that spark of attraction that they have to him is completely understandable. Um and I think blending all of the, the the toxic elements of how he treats his partners and strangers in many cases and the people that work for him. Uh I think it with a lesser performer And a lesser script. This. Trends into that like you said. Worst person in the world where it's more of a. Like a more of a sinister thing. Whereas this guy is just. Kind of is the way he is. And needs the wake up call. That this movie probably provides him. And the question that you have about this character. Is like. Where does he go from here? And I think a lot of that is just. Down to the performance and the. The writing. And or this film with this director, writer, and actor, it all blends together so perfectly and creates, like you said, one of the more distinct and unique characters you'll see in a movie, and something very original, in my opinion, because we kind of tend to, in some like movies, we kind tend to paint with a, a brush that's going to put someone as the hero or the villain, and I think the truth lies somewhere in between with him.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDSE.
1: I also like, I, I think, I don't think there's anything, I think the performance is really large, but without being hammed up, which I think is a really tough balance that actors would generally get wrong when they go for a part like this. Like he, he goes all out, he gives it everything, but it just... I don't know. It holds on to just enough to feel like a real person and for Franz Rogowski to disappear behind it at times where it's not just like, Oh yeah, I'm watching that actor give this performance. It becomes something more than that. Um, like I, I just, I I think it's, it's no kind of small deal to be able to do that. And they're just kind of, there are lots of really nice little moments, little details um, that are kind of trickled throughout the film that just come from that, come from getting the casting right. Um, the part was written with Franz Rikowski in mind um, based on his karaoke performance of Sia in uh, Michael Hanukkah's... Why am I blanking on what Michael Hanukkah film? Um, Happy End was, I guess, kind of partly his breakout. Um, But then there are things like, for example, Iris Axe at the QA, I was at again to call back to that. Listen, I've got to use the stuff that I've got. That's, you know, I've got extra insight, Andrew. Um, The sequence, which is one of the central sequences of the film, where there's a dinner sequence, and without getting into spoilers or giving too many details, where Tomas uh, and Agat sit down with Agat's parents and they're well, they sit down for a short period of time anyways, to try and have dinner and try and talk about some stuff. Um, but the the scene the scene that's in the movie, the take that's in the movie, is kind of born out of improvisation where there was nothing in the script about Tomas getting up from the table and then coming back and the conversation that follows. And that was purely just Franz Rogowski's performance and him deciding to come back into the scene. And then everyone having to adjust from it from there. And it kind of shapes... Shapes not just that relationship, but the film in a way that... Like, I I ultimately think ends up being really, really essential. And it was purely born out of where he had got to in his understanding of the character and his just taking control of that and going back and improvising and everyone going with it and it, it working out really, really nicely. So I can't really rave enough about him in this film um i think adele Extrachopoulos does a really really good job in what is quite tough and could be borderline thankless at times Um, she does sorrow and sadness in a kind of quiet like brooding way incredibly well and i think that's something which gives her like I don't know, there's obviously the the obvious element of kind of this siren-like figure that she keeps being cast in roles as because of her obvious beauty. But there is something else there that's very kind of readily available to her that balances that out, Um, that I think makes her a really, really fascinating performer. And I think this is, again, she seems like someone who does a great job of picking her projects and this is a really good one for her, even though I think could she have more to do? Yes. Um, But I think what she gets to do and how she fits as a performer in between Franz Rogowski and Ben Wishaw is borderline perfect. And I, I think Ben Wishaw has it most difficult to some extent, because he's the character that I, for example, I could hear audience members around me grumbling at the end that, I don't know. I guess he's the least believable. Um, less so the thing that I find least believable is that someone married Tomas in the first place, but more that, like, why does he keep taking him back? Why is he open to that? Why, why at certain points of the film do they end up kind of getting back together or hooking up or anything like that? Um, I guess he's under under Tomas's spell and. That's that's part of what the point is here. When someone is just such a force of nature, you know, people will get caught up in that willingly and then they're left to be part of the wreckage too when it all crashes and burns. Even though I think the film also brings us to a place where it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of inevitable from the beginning. There's only way, one way really this can end and it's like, well, the person's going to lose has got to be... Tomas, it's gotta be the Hedonist who has no real consideration for anyone around them. Was there any particular moments or any any scenes from the film or any details we haven't talked with that stood out to you that you want to shout out?
2: The opening scene is great because we get to see the puppet master at work in his professional life before we see how he does in his personal life. Um, I like the first kind of argument scene between Tomas and Martin when they go to their, I guess, country house, we'll call it. Um, or, I think an absolutely brutal scene emotionally um, for the audience is when Adele overhears Martin and uh, Tomas reconciling, and we see her reaction to knowing exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great scene. yeah, there's uh my favorite scene is the dinner scene that I alluded to when he's walking in with the crop top and is introduced to Adele's parents and they have dinner. It's a very contentious conversation about Thomas's long-term plans goals, like where he wants to live. He's from Bremen and uh talking about how his parents are still there and he just waffles on not literally waffles but won't commit to any kind of long-term plan for his life. And they are very unsure of him and the way the audience may be as well. And uh, they just have a contentious back and forth. The mother and Tomas speaking to each other. The mother kind of translating to her husband uh, as well. And I think they have this conversation in multiple languages. So it's just kind of just like a real tense, just like uh, exchange there. And uh, as they get to know one another, and I was I was a big fan of how that scene played out.
1: It's also very, very funny. I mean, the whole film is very, very funny. Like that, that sequence in particular, it's like you can see both sides of it because you could see obviously why by his appearance and by everything that we learned, they already know about him. Like Gat's parents uh, have concerns about Thomas, but you can also see why he just meets people and he sits down, does some food and they're like, well, do you, do you ever intend on like going back to live in Germany? It seems a bit intense and seems a bit like, I don't know, like, maybe, yes. Like, I don't know what you want to do with that. So I, I kind of, I see that all around. I really like a lot of the stuff with uh, the character played by Erwan Kapoa-Fale, um, Ahmad as the author, and how he's kind of introduced... And this idea of you know, him being this great writer who's got this great book, and it seems like everyone loves the book or everyone's it's kind of just a buzzy book among the kind of in, intelligentsia. um and Thomas just is not into the book. and just it keeps coming up in really interesting ways. And everyone in his life seems to have read it and liked the book, um including a gas in a scene, which I just thought was really, really funny. Um, so, uh, so that, like I... uh,
2: when she had made him dinner, and he is uh, she made him
1: dinner, yeah,
2: yeah. and uh I his existence in the story and his clear like talent that everyone else sees, and Tomas wants people to see him like that as a director, it really does a great job highlighting the he only wants the toy if someone else is playing with it kind of a thing i I think that's it was a. Uh, very uh very good kind of additional wedge to add into the the drama
1: yeah and he's kind of a wedge that exists for comic relief like to set up humor situations but yet is also kind of at the crux of a lot of the emotionality and really what propels the main trio then in different ways too Um seems like a great Trump guy as well the presence of <laughs> Yeah, he does. He seem like a pretty good guy. Maybe, you yeah, know, maybe a little too, you know, caught up in his own hype. Um, and maybe, you know, it could be could be tough, tough to marry in a different way. Uh, yeah. but but also tough, but yeah, I mean, by comparison, he comes out looking like a saint. So, he certainly got that working for him. Um, I I just want to shout out that I think the film is really beautiful to look at and by shot by um the French Canadian cinematographer uh, Jose de I think I have pronounced that right, but I almost certainly haven't. Um, just really, really good to look at. I think it's edited very, very well, and overall, it just kind of, it just kind of hums, um. It's a real pleasure to watch something like this. That's just like great actors kind of going head to head to head. Really strong kind of script, a great dialogue to bounce off it. Kind of very kind of vivid, well-taught out characters. I had a lot of fun. I, th- I think it's a really, really good film.
2: Yeah, me too. I would have loved to have seen it with someone better than anyone in
1: the in the theater
2: that sounds sadder than i meant for it the sound uh it wasn't like I was like everyone please go to this movie with me and they're like no Andrew we hate there you. Was, um, well
1: I mean the the flip side of that is like if you brought like normal people in your life to see passages does that go down great
2: the, uh, of the I've, people I've come around on this and I think now if I recommend a movie that's, you know, not something a friend would typically see and they don't like it, I'm just going to be really combative at them and tell them that they're stupid. I've, I think that's where I'm going with this.
1: I, well, I mean, I think the like there's always some part of that that can be the rewarding part of that is, let's say you rope a friend and see a film like Pastures and they are they're exposed to a lot of stuff that they're just not expected to see when they go see their movie at the cinema you could feel good about that and be like, I've opened up someone's mind a little bit wider. You know, their def- definition of what movies is, is no different than it was before they saw that film. Um, for some reason,
2: like... uh, it doesn't work this way for me with music. I could recommend a record to somebody and, and they don't like it. And I'm like, okay, fine. We have different tastes of music. It is what it is. If I recommend a movie and they tell me they don't like it, it makes me want to fight them. What is that about me?
1: I don't know. I feel like those things are different, yeah I've, I and like they're different for on the end of the reception of them too, because I mean music is almost in some ways, I want't say more disposable, but I that also that's really disrespectful and isn't entirely what I mean, but you can just you know. A single unit of music is a song, as opposed to, you know, I think the fact that you've got these kind of delineations in music makes it quite different to film. I mean, maybe TV and music are closer by way of comparison in terms of forms because of an episodic nature, and that makes it its own thing where you can be like, oh, I really like this song, but it kind of doesn't really go anywhere along the middle it's really just you know it's got one good single um which is generally what most tv is if it even is that but it's kind of tougher with film because it demands more commitment or patience it mightn't be as long as the full album in some cases but it's like You've got to consider it as a whole. and I think that makes it if you like it, it makes it more jarring when someone's just dismissive of it if that makes sense. Like I think it's just kind of baked in where some of those like music is like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, and also that music is just kind of at this point, I mean, I don't want to pretend as much as we talk about the waning influence of movies. Movies are still very, very mainstream. But music is pervasive. Like, you don't really just encounter movies everywhere, every day in the same way, Or nor can you consume them passively in the same way, where they're just in your head, and then it's like, that's what that is, in the way that music, where you're out and about, you're in a restaurant, you're in the supermarket, you're in a car, whatever it is, and there's there's music.
2: Yeah part of it could be this podcast and you talking to you every week challenges me to think more deeply about a movie than I ever would have 10 years ago. And so if I send someone to see something and they're like, man, that sucked. Why would you send me that? I'm like, well, you're just an idiot. But
1: anyway. But do you think that would have been you 10 years ago? Not necessarily on the subject matter then, but just that if you weren't inclined to think about it any more deeply, like you probably think more deeply in the act of, process of viewing films now which means that your your opinion is likely different in some way or another by the time you come out of a movie than before like to me movies just require a level of curiosity and if you're not curious and you're not open going in well you're never going to meet the movie on its own terms and honestly you might even like dislike it for reasons that are all that valid if you're not trying
2: oh yeah that i I think a lot of people approach movies that way and that's maybe the irritant or it's like whatever your expectation was going into it. The movie did not deliver on that, but that's not necessarily commentary on the quality of what you just watched. It was, it's like a lot of people that disliked Oppenheimer because they probably wanted like a deeper world war two story. That's not what the story was. Don't discredit a movie for not being the story you wanted to see. Uh, rather than judging it on its artistic merits, is what I would argue. Well, I don't know I why com- I went down this rabbit hole. I apologize. No, why, no, no. Why
1: no. I, I, I think it's an interesting... I had a conversation with some friends like like everyone else who had gone see Oppenheimer. Like Smart group of people, people who watch movies but aren't like me, or even you. You know, And it's like... I guess their take on it was, yeah, it was really great, but did it really need the last 45 minutes? Like, it was, it, it was too long. And why does it why does it go on after the bomb? Why does it do all of that work beyond that? Which is like an opinion which i I get. I could see it. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with it. But that is also, I think, more easily informed by you going to a movie and you have an idea of what a movie is, and even what a natural endpoint of a movie is. And then when a film doesn't conform to that, it can be like. What? It should have ended there? As opposed to why didn't it end there? Like what what is the active decision? Because it's not just this comes into when people, you know, uh misuse like the idea of editing in movies and think that editing in movies is someone comes in and says you need to lose forty minutes of this, uh, which could way for a Killers of the Flower Moon will bring that kind of conversation back in an Irishman fashion where people have another three hour plus Martin Scorsese film. And they'll be like, he needs an editor, uh, which, you know, Thomas Kuhnmaker is, you know, pretty, pretty fine. She's been doing great as the greatest editor who's ever lived, maybe for a long, long time now. Um, But I, I do think like part of that is just informed by what is your expectation and what is your understanding of what a movie is. And if you see Oppenheimer, well, isn't the natural point in the movie end that like the high emotional point, whether the emotion is positive or negative, which is the bomb. Yes, maybe sometimes in a certain type of film, but there are endless other filmmaking traditions that would subvert that. And when a filmmaker makes a decision to either lean into it or go another way, I think it's interesting. And yeah, I look, I, this may not be strictly relevant to pastures. I don't think it's unrelated though to any film of this ilk, like this kind of independent film. It's like big, buzzy distributor, like recognizable faces. It's maybe not quite a crossover potential film, but it's just outside of that. Like you never know who are the people who are gonna stumble into that who don't aren't fully equipped for all of its various pieces and how do they process it how do they receive it are they open-minded enough to just be like cool that's what that was and these are decisions it made or are they just instantly appalled by something that isn't their idea of movies i mean one of the things that i know i've often i remember having an argument with a guy um that i did my masters in film with and uh in his view Films existed purely to entertain. This was someone who was doing their masters in film and I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I honestly I can't it's they're no one thing. They just as much as they don't exist to entertain, they don't just exist to inform or like they're they're whatever they need to be on a given occasion. And I never, never, never go to a movie theater and sit in my seat and be like entertain me it's i go and it's like show me what you are and when i in the process of finding out what it is i'll then yet decide what it is i want to get from and how i'm going to receive it is it in the way of entertainment do i then need to feel entertained or is it something different do i need to be made to think do i need to learn something new do i need it to I don't know, open my eyes or open my world further than it was before. These are all different things. Um, But yeah, different people go in with a different idea of what a movie is based on what they've seen, based on what their life is, based on what they've been exposed to. And for some, it's tough to shake that stuff to open up beyond that. And then it's, you know, a film that they don't understand. I don't mean that in a literal sense. It doesn't have to be hard to understand, but they just don't understand aren't capable of meeting on its level and they'll just immediately be like oh it's bad like that's a that's again to maybe some of the conversations at the start in terms of how people are educated or what they're exposed to or what the world wants to know there's a massive media literacy problem like worldwide big media literacy problems where populations just don't know how to engage with the written form the visual form like anything that's got depth that's got nuance it's, it's, it's a scene out there Andrew. it's not necessarily kind of taken in by old people
2: next week on make time for this my other movie pet peeve <laughs> unless you're about to shit your pants you don't take a bathroom break during a theatrical movie
1: <laughs> I mean I'm not with you on this but okay You miss things. And good. You know, I love that because people need to live in a world where that's the choice they make, where you pay your money and you're going to go and see something and you come back and yeah, you might have missed something because guess what? This is a Netflix. This isn't you at home. Pausing, rewinding, pausing, rewinding, pausing, rewinding. One of the worst things that, again, just terrible, terrible for people better. Listen, not everyone is in as fortunate enough to be in this situation. I also we're both getting older, so I don't want to take like two serious shots at this because your your tune could change completely in a couple of years. I'm
2: gonna get a catheter for the movies when I'm in my seventies.
1: This was a this was something that I was like a complete non problem for me in my twenties, in my thirties, Andrew. I could see it starting to lurk, but you know what? It's fine. I'll just date uh, <laughs> your calls. hate your calls. I don't miss a part of the film. I'm still like I still try to pick my moments. I think if you're smart enough, you should still be able to pick your moments. Films tell you when it's okay to to run, but yeah, you've really and truly sidetracked us now.
2: Like uh never mind. Will we wrap up This is what happens this is what happens when we have two podcasts. In a day and we go longer than we expect to. I get loopy at the end.
1: Longer than we expect to, probably on both. So yeah, this is what happens. Um if you like this, I guess, um, make sure you subscribe to this where we get your podcasts. Let's make time for this. We talk movies, we talk TV, pop culture, occasionally other things, sports that we don't talk in other podcasts. So, you know, some some football or soccer talk. Um, we've talked some golf, and I expect to hear us talk some golf again soon in the lead up to the Ryder Cup. But predominantly, what you can probably bank on most weeks is movies, um, with some occasional TV, maybe some music thrown in. So, want more from uh, more from us on all of that? Again, it's make time for this. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN podcast, though. We got the Eurostep podcast network, the main feed, home to all things Milwaukee books. We've got Talking to Tundra. I mean, you already know about that because Andrew did an ad earlier that was, you know, cavalier, but he did we'll it. Mac
2: vidmo me mid uh, show. So, <laughs> uh,
1: I, mean, I thought you said he's never going to hear this. You've now tempted fate. He might listen when he finds out about that. You should also listen to Cruising for Brewing. That's another podcast from Andrew and I where we talk about the Walkie Brewers who are. Uh, pretty good, but not so good that things are uncompetitive. They're in a real race. Exciting few weeks lie ahead. Any interest in baseball, the Brewers, you can get more from Andrew and I there. As always, thanks all of you for listening. Until next time, thank you, Andrew.
2: Thanks, Adam.